Give us any chance, we'll take it. Read us any rule, we'll break it. We're gonna make our dreams come true. Welcome to Nat United, podcast about eight seasons in a row. I'm Lisa Fernandes, and... I'm Chris Jai Wardner. Hello. <laughs> and we're reviewing Welcome to Burbank, the second episode of season six on Laverne Shirley. It's directed by John Tracy and written by Jeff Frankel. I bet you Chris has got some facts about them. Don't you, Chris? Uh, yeah, well... Well, uh, well, uh, well, uh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see about uh, John Tracy there. For Jeff Franklin, I'm, I'm still having to do a little more research on that. Uh, he's got plenty more episodes coming up. We'll, oh, we got time. Oh yeah, we got plenty of time. We got a ton of time. Here is what the episode is about. The girls sell into their frankly quite swank new apartment. They see Frank and Anna for the first time since they've moved, and Laverne receives a guitar from them. They meet up with Sonny St. Joff, building manager, and a local stuntman, after he pitches himself from his balcony to the ground below. They meet Rhonda Lee, the snobby and slightly selfish D-level actress who lives next door. Everything seems to be peachy keen for both girls until two terrible events occur nearly simultaneously, an earthquake, and them learning that Lenny and Squiggy have signed a three-year lease on the apartment next door, which is connected to their place via a doggy door. Will they turn tail and go back to Milwaukee, or are they California girls forever? Well, what'd you think of this one? Uh, <laughs> I, I, well, I'll say this. I really did not expect to like Sonny as much as I did. Yeah, yeah. I was actually surprised by how much you liked Sonny. Uh, yeah. Because a lot of people seem to um, consider him to be bland. I, I I guess what it is is I've known people like him. Yeah. I've known actors and stuntmen that are like him, and he really captures those qualities that I like. That very friendly, yeah. chipper. Yeah. Um. Yeah. One of the things yeah. that's kind of cool is when you have very professional stunt performers that are very like cozy and personable. Yes. They also are really good with social boundaries. I notice. Oh. Um. Really? Like they're like you know like a good professional colleague is like somebody that like. You know, they're not going to overstep. They're, they're, yeah. you know, that's that you feel comfortable with them. And that's, yeah. I guess that's what it is. Sonny is the type of character that I would feel comfortable hanging out and working with. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with him. He's a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, so what did you think of Rhonda, then? I mean, va va voom But, uh, <laughs> and I, I mean, I was, I did have to sign, roll my eyes and go, Jeff, with the, uh, the, uh, uh, the whole, she's in the, uh, uh negligee. she's in a she's in yeah the negligee that like practically hints she's naked underneath yeah and then it comes off and there's the swimsuit yeah um but uh but that being said um what i think i love about Rhonda, and i do like her as a character but yeah. i love about her is yeah. what she brings out of laverne and shirley because they are fierce at her yeah and wrathful in a way that is yeah. And it's, this especially comes up in uh, episodes three and four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So episode three, especially. Yeah. And so it, it's a, it, but she brings an energy out of them. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. And I, I love it. Yeah. They want to be like her, but they also resent her, resent her snobbiness and her refusal to include them in her life while also making demands on their resources, so to speak. So. Yes, like, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh yeah. What was it? The, the the bit about the ice trays. Yeah. Yeah. The bit about the ice trays. Eventually, she starts using their apartment to tan in. Uh, in a couple episodes, it's just like it's a Rhonda thing where she's just popping on in like the boys used to, just to steal food out of the fridge. 
Right. Exactly. And uh, like, I almost kind of hope that at some point that Rhonda is going to be there trying to, you know, grab something out of the, the fridge while at the same time Lenny Squigger like, hey, we we stake claim to that. We stake the claim to that from Milwaukee. We got seniority and we're not going to have you be, uh, you know, moving it on our territory. That doesn't quite happen, but because they're kind of a little bit too um, admiring of her boobs, so to speak. Uh, but uh, things do develop in an interesting way. I want to say that. Rhonda does develop in an interesting way. She finally becomes a character like in the middle of the season. Oh, that's good. She starts taking on yeah. different layers and becoming a little bit more complex. Uh, especially in season seven. Uh, season eight, she starts to have to take up more of the obvious narrative slot. Ugh. So they, the show doesn't really prefer to lean on her for that, which is a shame because Leslie Easterbrook is very talented. Oh, yeah. Leslie is is fantastic. It's it's going to be hard to like... Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a little hard to go deeper onto Leslie's career, partly just because she's done so many kind of different things, yeah. and uh, she's you know still is still active today, even yeah, um, and like micro budget stuff, yeah. But she's a she's I mean she takes this kind of bonehead bimbo role, but treats it with the realism that you know when you when you deal with Hollywood types or I guess stardom types, she really wants. To, my mom put it really well that she wants to be the celebrity, yeah, and. When people are really driven to become a celebrity, they're dangerous. Yeah. And that's what I like about Rhonda as well, is that she is cutthroat. She comes off as like, oh no, I'm such a you know, such a yeah. bimbo. And you know, I don't yeah. know how big my boobs are and how hot I no, she's not. She is yeah. completely in control of exactly what she's doing. Oh, wow. She knows exactly what she, every moment. There is a great, great, great moment that where that happens in season seven. Oh, you're going to learn some things about her. That's really cool. Oh, that's great. Because, I mean, it yeah. even is down to the point that the way that she's, like, practically flirting with Shirley and Laverne, like, yeah. it's, it's. I mean, because that's the thing. It comes off not just, like, as a power game. It's flirting to try to get them off guard. Like, yeah. I don't know if the, you know, well, they're two women living together, so maybe they're, you know, lesbians. Yeah, possibly. And so she's trying to, so she's trying to, like, suss out, you know, yeah. can I get them hot under the collar? And therefore, yeah. if I can... Can I then get favors out of them and get work out of them and yeah. get, you know, Advanced. can I get them to do things? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then, of course, when she sees, thinks the boys and the girls are, are two couples, she definitely has to make a point of uh, pointing out that they're well suited to each other. She says that more than once that Shirley and School Gear well suited to one another, which is amusing. Oh two of them yeah, was, yeah. Uh, we're going to come back to how, this, how they react to each other and react to that later, 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 later. Right. Later. Yeah, uh, yeah. Her reaction to the dependable shoes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Everything else. Um, we get another musical edit to start this episode off, by the way. Uh, the original underscoring to this is a vocal version of Hooray for Hollywood that sounds like it was done uh, by the Starland Vocal Band. But it's not them. But it sounds like them. Hmm. Uh, instead, we just get generic music, which you said you found soothing and you liked, if I remember correctly. Kind of, yeah. yeah. There was something I don't know. It's just it's peaceful B roll. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. This was so many weeks ago. We watched the episodes. I probably was stressed out of my gourd about some other thing or yeah. another. No, the, well, in the broadcast version, in the version that's a syndication, you hear away from Hollywood. Uh, the first two verses of it, and the chorus. Which so. is interesting. I think my mother may have actually made a hooray for Hollywood joke when we started watching this. So that's <laughs> funny. Oh, she's. She's got some Kreskin going on there. She knows what's going on. Um, 
you actually get to see Michael drive that ice cream truck on screen. Very shocking. Um, uh, after years and years of them faking it with uh, the um, shot beer truck, he actually drives right. that truck. He finally That's got right, a driver's license. We actually know that he didn't have it in season one when the show was starting. Uh, right, because of uh, various stories he told. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that David Lander told. David Lander told this mm. great story about how he and Michael uh, negotiated uh, for stuff, extra stuff that they could get uh, when the, the uh, producers wanted to do the Lane Squiggy spinoff in season one. And he was like, uh, he bargained them for parking spaces. And Michael goes, wait, I can't drive. He goes, shh, shh, shh. Don't tell him that. This is a, this is a power game here. <laughs> but he's like, I can't use it. I don't know how to drive. I'm a car. That, that, is, that is an incredibly Lenny and Squiggy moment, isn't it? Yes, I but know. Squ but Squig, I can't drive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. at, at some point, he did get a car. At some point, he did learn to drive. Uh, until then, he was just, I think he walked everywhere. He tells a lot of stories about how he was walking. Yeah, I know. Mm. Apparently, yeah. You know, I guess that comes from uh, growing up in New York. Just walk mm -hmm. everywhere. But yeah. uh, that's what he was doing until that point. Uh, David, however, was fiery and wanted his due and wanted his own freaking dressing room and uh, literally kicked down the door of Eddie's dressing room to get his own dressing room because <laughs> Eddie was never there. Apparently, oh jeez, that's a great story. He tells that story brilliantly. It's amazing. But they were oh, you're tired of them that. being treated like a unit instead of two different people. Yeah, yeah, totally. Exactly. They needed to have their own individual things. Yep. Yeah. No individual space. So you left mm -hmm. Michael alone in their own in their dressing room and he took Eddie's. I don't know where Eddie was. It's possible that Eddie was over at Blancy's Beauties at the time. It didn't matter. Not got track. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, this is so first impressions. Um I think it's 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 Interesting. We were talking about in the last uh, podcast where the movement of getting into this new place, this new normal, it yeah. takes a while. And yeah. this is definitely an example of that because pretty yeah. much the entire episode is just about moving. It's just about moving yeah. in. Yeah. It's about them moving into the new apartment. It's about them meeting their new neighbors. It's premise, 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 and a little tiny sliver of plot so we can get some stunts in. Right. And mind you that you're watching Laverne and Shirley. And, and I mean, I almost don't know if I would call it a plot so much as I'd call it a scene. A scene yeah. is not necessarily a, a plot. plot. I would I would argue as as someone who has who has struggled with this as a short filmmaker, I can say yeah. I feel confident to be able to say a scene is not a plot, sir. No. Excuse or, or, me. <laughs> a temporary roadblock to their happiness. Let's put it that way. Yes, temporary roadblock. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It is a complication, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it is resolved within, what, like five yeah, minutes? A half a scene. It's not even a full scene. Yeah. Like, really? It's like, we didn't pay for all these giant sets to have them leave immediately. Yeah, exactly. No, all something... we got to do is just yeah, right. remove that one brick and get a nice eyeful and, uh, hey. <laughs> the fact that they're really excited to be voyeuristic with Rhonda is interesting in and of itself. <laughs> that poor thing she's something happened to that the earthquake knocked that mirror up on the ceiling and it got stuck there that is so innocent and so surely i love that line that's so surely laverne knows laverne, well, laverne, knows, laverne knows well she says i'll let you borrow my copy of Peyton place. place yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> valley of the dolls are those in the valley of the dolls oh val you're right you're right sorry it was valley of the dolls you're right i'll let you borrow my copy of valley of the dolls yeah that's yes. the one yep Yep, yep, yep. Of course she's read Valley of the Dolls. Of course she has. 
I can imagine Laverne being the biggest Jackie Collins fan, the biggest Jackie Suzanne fan. Uh, she read all those trashy books, and she loved the heck out of them. I can picture that. So I gotta, but I gotta say, though, can we get beyond the Valley of the Dolls, though? <laughs> if we can get beyond Thunderdome, we can get beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Just gotta keep climbing up that glass mountain. As Jacqueline once said, bless her soul. <laughs> May her memory be a blessing as well. An upstairs bedroom, just like the Beverly Hillbillies. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite lines of the episode. That was one of my favorite lines of the episode. That's really good. It is indeed. And, and the girls discover stucco. They discover their veranda. They, they, they have, uh, their digs are very fancy. They're pretty they fancy. Have, now, especially compared to living in a basement. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. So when I watched this episode with my mother who lived in LA during this brief periods yeah. during the sixties and a period during the seventies, um, she had an apartment in California in 1976, 125 a month. Oh man. Those yeah. were the days. And she was practically within walking distance of the Grauman's Chinese theater. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And wow. so, and think about it, this was 10 years earlier than that pre Nixon. And the gas crisis. Wow. wow. So, so, wow. so probably they were able to probably get a place pretty nice. So I assume then probably what would have been the struggle, which actually we do see um, in two more episodes, actually, is uh, the struggle probably was then more like finding a job. But finding a place, if you could get a, pl- a decent enough place that was available, you know. Yeah. It's probably, but yeah, it's, but it's grid digs. I mean, it even comes with its own plant. Yeah. Well, Stanley. Yes. The, the the awkwardly gently dicey thing about them discovering that she gives him this uh, very uh, Irish name, and then uh, she finds out it's a wandering Jew, and then she names it Stanley. <laughs> yeah, that was a little uh, dicey. Mm, yeah, dicey. Yeah, dicey. Little... Jeff. Yeah. Jeff. Yep. <laughs> Jeff. Yeah, we see you, Jeff. We see you, Don't Jeff. think we don't see you. <laughs> dicey. We see you and your mole and your mole. Yeah. <laughs> Molly, molly, mole. Okay. Uh, that actually, then, that actually is my note after the uh, the Stanley yikes is uh, yeah. is Jeff no, which is yeah. regarding Rhonda and which I think is referring to Rhonda and negligee. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were having so much fun in the dark. I mean, <laughs> Frank and Edna Oh really, God, Frank and yes. Okay, so yeah. We talked about Fredna. Talk about got talk about Fredna. They're so happy and adorable and incredibly horny here. I love it. Like, there, there's California has kind of rejuvenated them and made them happier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I told you we should have brought her that sombrero. They bring Laverne a guitar. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to the guitar in a second. Let's talk about Fred. How happy are they? How overjoyed are they? And it feels like all, all is new for them. All is fresh for them. Mm-hmm. It's really sweet to see. Love over 40 is a wonderful thing, as Shirley says. And I, I was eyeing you the whole time uh, while I was thinking <laughs> about that. Mwah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, but it is very sweet to see this sort of rejuvenated passion that they feel not just for, I mean, for each other, especially, but even for their life. Like we, when we get a chance to actually peek at how the, 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 uh, the new restaurant's going, it's, it's very exciting. Like there's a freshness, like he's doing what he loves, but he's doing it in a new way. And there's something that is like, as is like, it's new challenges, it's stretching him and he is up for it. Yes. Yes. Eventually this becomes sad. Around season seven, season eight, he starts yearning to, for his uh, pizza business. Oh, great. Uh, we'll tackle that. Something even newer happens to him. We'll get there. 
but it is interesting. But yeah, for right now, everything is fresh and new, and it's kind of lovely to watch them. They're trying really hard to convince the audience, no, this is a good thing. Everybody's happy. Look. Mm. Look, believe in this change. Um, the gift discrepancy here, though. <laughs> the second daughter, Gary some maracas all over and gets a guitar. Yeah, well, Shirley definitely has that feeling of the uh, the younger sibling that gets left out sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Laverne gets her guitar. Her guitar and her songwriting is going to be a recurrent element in the next two seasons. Uh, she's going to kind of quasi try to make a go of it as a singer-songwriter folky. Uh, it doesn't really stick or last, but it's a recurrent plot element. Yeah, I uh, figure it's, at some point, you know, she won't be able to get a gig and she'll just be there standing on the corner, you know, with a guitar. Stretching that disorder and fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Um, we'll get there soon, very soon. I I always feel a little bummed about the whole Laverne is a terrible singer thing. Yeah. It's uh I feel like what's good about it is like there is a sense of like representation of like do it because you love it, not because you're good at it, which is kind of yeah. sweet. Yeah. But yeah. But it's it also feels like she's not trying and it yeah. feels like we're just gonna make a joke of how look at how bad she is like no don't yeah. do, don't do that the show as we know uh does address that eventually it takes us a while to get to that point in season six but it does address it in the season that's true yeah and so, leave it to cindy to direct that episode yeah yeah cindy does a hell of a job it's the only thing she ever directed i don't know what that says <laughs> Well, if we ever get a chance to, yeah, it, as of this recording, we yeah. haven't had a chance to talk to Cindy ourselves, but I, if ever the chance occurs, definitely I'm going to ask, like, have you thought about this, doing more of this? Because good job. Yeah, but good job. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Loving. We'll get there eventually. But anyway, there goes the guy falling by the window. Um, yep. It's, it, you know, it's, <laughs> I do love yep. the exchange. It's, it, it's okay. I'm fine. You sure are. <laughs> So they think he's trying to kill himself. He's not, thankfully. <laughs> right, thankfully, yeah. Um, having been around stuntmen, uh, stunt performers on a set where they just like to just fool around, <laughs> that happens. Um, oh, man. I, I think I told you about this story. I was on a loading bay at a warehouse shoot, and he, this one stunt actor was like, okay, it was someone was going to do a fall, and so one of the other st uh, stunt guys, uh, stunt coordinators, just does a test fall, and so he jumps off the loading bay like... 10 feet down onto the pads to see how they're going and me and the makeup artist see him do that and i think i was aware the pads were down there but she didn't know and so th there was this like <gasps> moment for the both oh, of God. us and then uh, and you hear this thump and, he, and you hear his voice go pads are good <laughs> so <laughs> so that moment in death proof where zoe does i'm okay out of the bushes that's totally normal oh <laughs> man and and man. sunny doing this that happens. It's because, because I mean, think about That's it like hilarious. this. It's like when you can do something cool in the kitchen, like you can flip the pancake or you can like, yeah, you yeah. know, roll the, roll the fork between your fingers or something. You're, if you know you can do it, you're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you can, if you're going to know it and you're going to have fun, just go for it. Like, just go exactly. for it. Yep. And you're safe and you're not going to hurt. You're not going to kill yourself yeah. in the process. Yeah. You know what you're doing, basically. Right. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, so that so, yeah, in terms of like, yeah, as, as I said before, the first impression I got out of Sonny was like, I like this guy yeah. as a sweetness. Yeah, yeah, I like his yeah. as Anthony, yeah. he re as Antonio the Amazing. He had to really put on a character. Yeah. Here yeah. he's stretching himself 
yeah. just far enough to feel still be comfortable, but he's still playing a character. Yeah. So Ed, yeah. Ed, Ed does an amazing job. Yes, yes. Uh, this is what's going to lead him to a big, big role in Hill Street Blues. Mm-hmm. Which is going to you know, make him quite famous. He never got any acting nods for that, but um, he got a lot of praise for his work on Hill Street Blues. So. Yeah, he mostly stayed in TV uh, yeah. through the 90s. It uh, yes. was like on Sisters, Champs, ton of TV movies. And yes, he was on an episode of Dream On. That's going to come yes. up a lot. Yes. He's still acting, by the way. He was in yeah. Many Saints of Newark, and uh, he was in a Christmas unicorn movie last yeah! year. Yeah, a unicorn for Christmas. A unicorn for Christmas is what it's called. Why do I have the feeling you've seen this? Because I have. <laughs> <laughs> he was also a semi-regular on Blue Mountain State. The um uh th- which was on Spike for a long time, so hmm. people might recognize him from that. Nice, uh, but yeah, small things I know. <laughs> so anyway, so then we so getting back into like you know we're talking first impressions, we're talking about sort of going through the episode, the kind of different pieces. Um, so the boys finally show up, yeah, uh, with their hello line. Um, yeah. we skipped over Ron- the Ronda scene. We talked a bit about Ronda Ronda. Yes. Okay, well, well, all right. You want us I to go did, through Ronda? No, no, no. I wanted to mention one specific thing. They introduced themselves with their names. Shelley hmm. Feeney, Irish Protestant Democrat. Laverne goes, Laverne DeFazio, Italian Catholic teamster. I did love that. There, and and uh, that. knowing the people I do know who are politi- who are very political these days, there definitely yeah. is a difference between a Democrat and a teamster now. Let us... <laughs> Go ahead. I was gonna Go say ahead. the introduction is back on track. The uh, the introductions are adorable though. And yes, uh, yes, yes. And what, what was it like? There's Laverne's that bit about uh, careful. She yeah, Laverne's like careful. She doesn't have any bones in her hand or something. Yeah. Oh, she even goes, "Are those real?" About Ron's boobs. No, no, no. She said it was. Oh, she corrects. She says, "No, I was talking about her eyelashes." Yeah, yeah, I was talking about her eyelashes. Uh like for those saying, "Oh, that that she couldn't possibly uh, be asking her that." Breast implants were invented in 1962, so this is possible. Mm-hmm. This is a possibility. Hard to be wondering for kids are real. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, tits. I love that Ro- that Rhonda is a struggling actress uh, with even worse uh, prospects than the girls have. Mm-hmm. She's a dancing foot pad in Dr. Scholl's commercial. Oh God, yeah. Which <laughs> feels like that re- is referencing the. Uh... <laughs> It's referencing how uh, the there's that bit in More Than Friends, and you know this yes. happened to Penny as well. The, yep. the uh, yep. are you the one with the dan- you're the one with the uh, with the good with the good shampoo or with the dandruff? I'm the one with the dandruff. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She knows exactly. She knew exactly what that was like, dancing on that uh, toilet tab in the TV movie and being the girl with the bad hair. <laughs> yeah, that commercial, by the way, with her fair foss is adorable. It's super cute. Yeah, it really is. It really honestly is. Uh, so enter the boys, like you said, with a lot dependable old shoes. Come on. Hello. Hello. And uh, yeah, then they've they have found Shangri-La. The beach. Yep. They did have a <laughs> swimming hole back in Milwaukee, so it's not like they didn't have see bikini dressed girls before this, but apparently Yeah, but there's 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 also a difference between one or two girls that you probably went to high school with and that feels kind of weird versus yeah. um you know, ver- ver- versus California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bikini dressed women. <laughs> the the idea. Also, I think what it is is that California, as part of the whole mystique of California, is always that the beautiful people go there, and that that's what yeah. people do, and the people yeah. who are beautiful yeah. stay there, and uh, yes. so that's their whole 
thing is like they're not the homely little you know Wisconsin Wisconsinite uh, ladies. It's it's like no, this is the Hollywood women. These are the women that are on television. And yeah. uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do I do love yeah, Lenny's line. Body. Look, Squig, look, one of them <laughs> leaked indoors. That's a great line. That's a great line. And notice the boys' outfits. They will be dressing like this from here on out. Not a fan. Yeah, well, I like a lot I like a lot of that, except when they decide to put Lenny in very classy suits for no reason, other than Michael looks good in them. Which he does. He does, but it But it's... it makes no sense for Lenny to own them. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about the outfits thing coming up, but it, it's yeah. it, it's part of the whole kids show gimmick of those two characters and how it's like they there's sort of like a TV logic of like, how do they afford any of these clothes? Because they keep changing yeah. their outfits. See, see, before yeah. it made sense because well, there was the the wax museum and they just knew so many people yeah. they could just you yeah. know borrow something from. Yeah. And yeah. they would just, I mean, probably what they would. Some of their outfits were coming from thrift shops. Yeah, you thrift tell, shops, yeah. and also some of what they were probably doing was just like, oh, well, I need a suit for tonight because uh, I have a date. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you two cases of beer off the truck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Exactly. That could be possible. And they were always renting tuxedos, and they did have, and the boys did have like two, exactly two good dress up jackets. Mm-hmm. And Lenny's dress up jacket got used a lot. There's going to be a lot more outfit variety cut starting then, which mm-hmm. again helps um, reduce the sense. Uh, that everybody has no cash. They, they, they've lost the uh, blue collar feeling. Yeah, which I guess yeah. is I guess is the goal. They want people to not look at them as poor or same old, same old, or get confused yeah. about, oh, it's an episode I've seen already. The weird thing about the California years is that retroactively people look at the show and go, this is a bad move. At the time, it works, and so they double down on it. So right. That's why it happened. And even then, I know people... Um, my DM for uh, D- yeah. Dungeons and Dragons um, loves the California years. She right. says that's the, the, the their statement is it is the best years of the show. And it's and like I uh, will so disagree. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. Well, well, I mean, we're going to yeah. try to get we're going to try to yeah. get Ch- Tracy on hopefully in the future. So yeah. we'll see. We get deeper into the characters. We get deeper into everything. Uh, things get better and more interesting along the way. But do we find out this. whether Rhonda is correct that there really is someone for everyone? Hmm? <laughs> in a way. In a way and not. Um, the show does some strong hinting. Um, she thinks that the boys and the girls are together. She goes, your dates are here. And there really is somebody from everybody. Watch their reactions. Shirley and Squiggy scramble apart in horror. And Laverne and Lane just kind of musically look at one another. I didn't notice that. But of course, you would notice that. Yeah. <laughs> did you did not notice that? Did you notice that early? I was probably writing down notes at the time in oh. both cases, so that's probably why. But that there is a total repulsion uh, at this notion, but from Squiggy and Shirley, and meanwhile the Roman lady are like, eh, eh. <laughs> so they're not horrified by it. They start, in fact, they start talking to each other uh, quickly, <laughs> which is like cute. Oh. Anyway, um, yeah. next scene though, we have got to talk about tuning the guitar to the gurgle. <laughs> I love that Laverne only knows her one chord, but damn it, she's gonna write a whole song surround about that chord. Mm-hmm. She's, really... she's a, I I still stand by Laverne was a punk rocker before her time. Yeah, yeah. Really, you only need two chords to play most rock music anyway. Two or three chords, you got it. I love, mm-hmm. and, and Shirley just can't wait for her to learn that next chord, even though she's sitting there writing a song about Sunny. Mm-hmm. And then the earthquake. 
the earthquake. What do you think of how they staged this? Very okay. So that is going to be interesting one to discuss. I it's it's a huge f- bit of physical comedy. There's a lot of ins and outs. There's a lot of gags. Um, I am not the biggest fan of the execution, and it might have to do with the fact that one thing that Tracy as a director seemed to do with the crew is he got a lot more coverage, except for this. And so the because of the fact this is clearly being all done in one take, which is still very impressive, by the way, because, I mean, it creates all this great natural reaction from the audience. Um, Penny has to get her head stuck in the wall and then the bed, you know, to fall off and all that. I mean, there, there are so many things they have to do. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out how they exactly controlled the uh, the beds. My assumption is that it's um, either like, you know, it's like somebody like in a go-kart underneath the bed, you know, dragging it around, yeah. basically. Um, uh, my guess is that they had um, a mock-up of the set and uh, they may have tilted it slightly and the beds were just on rollers. The catch with that is that the perspective of the whole room doesn't change. I would sure. say I would agree to that, but mounting the camera to a support like that to do what you're recommending, which is like the old, like 2001 thing um, that I, I would suspect that'd be outside their budget range, even for the show after with this jump. So it feels my, so my thinking it's like I said, this is one of those, like, I'll have to watch it again and kind of do further study and like, you know, and do the whole Zapruder film breakdown, you know, back into the left um, where it seems like the beds move, but the rest yeah. of the set is just being kind of shaken and stuff is getting released off of ropes and wires and things like that off yeah. the sides. Yeah. Yeah. It's possible. So it might be, that might be, I just don't know. Yeah. I, but I, and the thing is, I don't know either. You may be, it's totally, I, I actually suspect it's probably somewhere in the middle of both probably. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably a combination of effects. I'm very curious though. Very curious about how they did it. Yeah. But I do love, and I mean, they're having to deliver lines. You know, these beds come with magic fingers. I don't think so. And the swing low, sweet yeah. chariot. And it's like, let's listen to the radio for some instructions of what to do. And then it's and it's, it's the same song, like, get ready to die. Yep. Get ready to die. You know, what's funny is uh, all the years in California, my mother did mention that she it never happened to her. She never experienced a California yeah. earthquake. Uh, her f- family members were there during the big one in 92 i think it was that was was that the big one that hit la yeah was it yeah it was around 92 92 93 ish around there um so i mean they and they were okay i think uh there was a one of the family members houses got mucked up pretty bad but i think otherwise they were it was okay um but i mean this this is just you know what i half remember and these are people that i never want to speak to again so i mean i don't know what matters to even bring this up in conversation maybe we should just cut this out but anyway but yeah, I don't know. It just it felt messily edited and staged. So it's a scene that I I like that it's there. There's some good there's some good bits, but I just feel like it's one of the weaker, even though the scope is bigger, which is impressive and is impressive that they were able to do that. But it just didn't. I don't know. It just doesn't work for me as well as I expected. But I do feel terribly sorry for Stanley, though. I yeah. actually have my no. Oh, no, Stanley with a little sad face. Oh, poor Stanley. Uh, I promise I'll go to confession. I promise from Laverne. Is great. Uh, I really like the way they stage um, this um, the, the earthquake scene. I like the little notes of plaster. Um, the way the girls grab onto anything, including the, their own uh, light, lights, uh, the lights, light supports, mm. mm-hmm. to avoid um, getting killed. I, my note is actually Stanley Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. 
so the girls are all horrified. The boys come through their completely impossible doggy door. Okay, it's impossible that this doggy door works the way Cannon wants us to think it works. Because the boys are across the hall from the girls. Mm-hmm. They're not like next door to them. There's nothing next door to them, as we can see from the balcony. Mm-hmm. How they're accessing this doggy door makes no sense. And indeed, the show fades this out, which is a shame. Pretty mm-hmm. soon. Because like, because I would be happy with it being like a secret tunnel because there could yeah. be some really interesting stories that could happen because of that. Yeah. Like, you know, Laverne sneaking guys in and out through there. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah, uh, yeah. and then Lenny comes in and she thinks that's her day for the night. And it just he just got lost. He's like, I'm sorry, Laverne, I got lost. I think I was I was uh, I was sleep trampling or something like, mm-hmm. you know, some stupid little joke like that. Tons of little things I could have used that for because, yeah. But I, I did like, you know, when they pop out, that being said, you know, it's it's a cute, you, a cute idea. Yeah. I love how self-aware Lenny is when it's like, I'm going to get an aspirin. He goes, take two. We signed a three three year lease. Yeah. 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 Um, the fact that the boys think that they're that good in bed, that they shook the world. With this. <laughs> and illegal airlines. Illegal Airlines is wow. That line. Illegal yeah. Airlines. Hey, yeah. Uh, so this, I hope I don't cut, but Jeff, f you. <laughs> oh, God. Just, I say that, oh, I say, I look, God. I say this one writer to another, and as a person of color, f you. <laughs> oh, God. Poor, poor Inez and Consuela. Just mm. lying there on Squiggy's rubber sheets. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, God. That's right. He has rubber sheets. Oh, yeah. the implications. The implications. Just think of the implications for a while. No, you know what? Uh. I, I don't. I don't want to. But let's let's move on. Okay, they're drinking. <laughs> they're drinking orange juice. Sunny days. Upstairs bedroom. Raisins <laughs> joke. All that sunlight, and they they basically uh. talk themselves out of leaving because it's like, is it worth it? And it's a as we were saying, you know, the conflict gets resolved really quickly. Yeah. Look what it does. It's kind of like pointless. It's really kind of pointless that they even ask this question of themselves because it happens so late in the episode. It yeah. We spend so much time on setup and introducing these new characters. It feels like we realized, oh, we don't have a plot here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really feels like, oh, gee, we don't have a plot. Uh, ah, screw it. Here's the plot. Uh, the earthquake scared them. And it's like, how do they not know that earthquakes happened in California before moving out there? Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. They would know that just from watching movies, reading books. Yeah. Also, California isn't always sunny. They do have problems with the rain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, they. Mm-hmm. And also that the idea that poor Stanley would die in Milwaukee—they have indoor heat. I know the heat in the uh, Nap Street building was crappy. They did have indoor heat. Oh, certainly. So unless like, the new I don't landlord know how he is, died. Uh, unless the new landlord is absolutely terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. God, who exactly. would ta- I? I dread to think of who would take over for Edna because my brain, for uh, some reason, thought Hector. Ooh, Hector. I don't know if she's actually still building the Hector. Well, what I'm saying is she sells it to somebody else who then sells it to Hector. Possibly. Possibly, 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 possibly. I actually thought maybe that they'd sell it to uh, Uncle Fungi. But I can't remember if he's alive at this point again. And, uh, I mean, yeah, with Uncle Fungi, though, it's going to... You're going to have the end of Attack of the Killer Mushrooms all over the place. You're going to have some weird... See, Uncle Fungi is the kind of guy that, like, I figure... Give it six months and it's going to look like something out of, like, a horror movie. You know, Possibly. the whole place is going to have like all these critters living. It's it's going to look like like Dark Souls, basically. Yeah. It's it's going to be 
It's going to be Lordran. It's going to be really dank and smelly. There's going to be giant mushroom monsters, giant fungus monsters. There's going to be a dragon in the attic in the top, you know, where Lenny and Squiggy live. There's a freaking dragon moves in. And, you know, there's going to be some chaos witches in the laundry room that you got to deal with. You have to do some stupid puzzle to get around. Oh, God. It's just, it's rough, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, back into the episode itself. Uh, they live through yeah. the worst part. It's got to get better soon. And then enter Sunny. Showing yes, Sunny. Sunny. Showing his um, bongos, so to speak. Um, yeah. <laughs> bongo, at least bongo. I will, I'm going to give give Gary credit for Even though we've upped the cheesecake quotient via Leslie, we've definitely also upped the beefcake quotient. Because now we have lots of shirtless Ed Marinaro. Mm-hmm. I will give them credit for, like, also for people who are attracted to people who identify as male. You got Sunny right there. <laughs> And he's got taking his shirt off again. And look at his muscles. So look I gotta give muscles, him credit. Look at my muscles. Look at I my gotta muscles. give him credit. Look at those not, muscles. <laughs> not neglecting everybody. Yeah. Not, and you know, neglecting and just going for the cheesecake and only the cheesecake. So. Yeah, it and it also feels in line with the show though, because that was something that made the first five seasons charming was yeah. there would be those handsome dudes that would show up. I mean, they did the Fabian episode. They did yeah. uh there was a couple episodes with, you know, Beefcake Carmine episodes. Yeah. There were, uh, you know, the it's the you know, ch- touching his chest, you yeah. know, jokes and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So, but as you're saying, like, yeah, if they're going to get into show more skin, they're going to make it equal opportunity, which they already got to in the previous episode with the fantasy sequence. I mean, you have two of the most handsome, you know, at, at the time, two very big deal football players um, in swim trunks, basically. Yeah. 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 Oh, we definitely get. Yeah. We definitely do get to see uh, Carmine at least. And swim trunks coming up. Carmine, they kind of lean hard on the Carmine is hunky crutch in season eight. You said, I, you know, I know you said crutch, but I heard crutch. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the tag scene now sets up they got to get Jorbs, and uh, Laverne has a song about their life so far, and then we just kind of wrap it up. You know, it gets yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. The ending kind of just goes. Yeah, we all just... know they're not going to leave. It's a yeah, we know that. It, singing, but, uh. Yeah, I just I don't see. Oh man, like I'm trying to think of like you know because we're gonna get pretty close to the ranking. I'm just kind of like, huh, yeah, because yeah, that last. I think because yeah. we watched this, we watched these two first. I think, and yes. I think there was something came up. I just didn't have time, or there was something that came up that we weren't able to go past this point. And I remember feeling afterwards that this was where I started to really set, get that sense initially of not sure if I like it. Don't hate it. Not sure if I like it. Yeah. And th- I think this, this, as you're saying, this sort of like fizzle, yeah. you know, like, like chucking a beautiful candle into a river. <laughs> fizzling yeah. Kinda, sensation. Yeah. Exactly. The, the show, this episode in general just needs a real plot. There's a way to convince the girls that maybe California isn't for them, that isn't, you know, oh no, earthquake. Oh wait, forget it, we can always sweep up, you know? It's, you know, yeah. they don't really even come to a strong conclusion, aside from, oh yeah, California's really nice and warm, and we get, oh, we can pick oranges from our orange tree outside. You know? Yeah. Do, does the earthquake thing do these sort of like traits of the negatives of California, you know, the earthquakes, uh, you know, the the um, does that does that ever come back? Really? 
other negative aspects of living in California definitely come up, but there's no, this is the first and only earthquake the girls face. Oh, man. Uh, we uh, have a severe lightning storm, though. Uh, crime is discussed. Um, lots of different things happen, but not specifically hmm. earthquakes. Okay. Wow. Okay. So I guess... Yeah, that feels that feels extra pointless then. <laughs> this episode very much suffers because because there is no real plot. We're just here to introduce Sonny and Rhonda to be real. And the premise is the boys have decided to stay. Right. Instead of going back to Milwaukee. Uh and, and to show that Frank and Anna are fine. Uh there could have been a lot more in this. I feel like if they got an extra hour, we could have combined this with welcome to welcome to not, not welcome to right, grand opening. Mm, we could combine mm-hmm. this with grand opening and made a single linear continuity, a single linear episode. And uh, taking A, taking care of a lot of things, made this episode B feel all as pointless. But that's just me. I, no, I totally agree. I feel like it's, uh, there's something inefficient about it, I yeah. think is what it comes yeah. down to. Like it's efficient. Wasty. Say it what? Mildly time wasty in a way. Yeah, exactly. Like, we need to introduce these characters. We definitely do. We definitely need to establish the apartment. We need to establish the boys are staying, sure. But uh, the, and obviously the earthquake needs to happen because this is Laverne. Surely we need some kind of physical humor in here. But uh, giving them a grand crisis of faith doesn't really make sense. That, that, yeah. That's the weak spot. The weak spot is that there's no real reason for them to ask questions. It's so much easier. It's much, 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 much better established in grand opening when Laverne admits she feels like a failure because she can't find a job and she misses Milwaukee. So, you know, mm-hmm. those are reasons to want to go home. Exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, we never thought about, we never had time to discuss, um, uh, you know, like she's leaving Terry Buttafuoco. She's leaving yeah. regular dates that she has. I mean, yeah. the last episode well, had her with a regular guy named Ray that she had no problem bringing home at two in the morning that. Yeah pretty much implied something was going to yeah. happen in the living room yeah yeah you know yeah you know what uh, yeah. uh more than first maybe even second base was going to take place yeah. oh far beyond that considering what laverne admits to in the next episode um, <laughs> uh she's leaving behind randy's grave she's leaving behind her mother's grave oh totally absolutely yeah uh, like those elements get yeah. completely ch- and yeah. i think that's I'm so glad you voiced those things. I knew there was something emotional that was hitting me for some reason about that move. Yeah. Yeah. She's living behind everything. She's been there since she's like six or so. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Shirley's been there her whole life. Uh, Her her mother is already over in California. That never gets brought up and we never see her. I hate Uh, that. God, I freaking hate that. Yeah. Oh, God. You are the only person who finds that really annoying that they never use Barb again. They could have. They could have just called Pat Carroll. She's right there. She's right She's there. You have a perfectly good Pat Carroll right there. Come yeah. on. Yeah, come yeah, on. yeah. Come, come yeah. on. Come uh, on. Uh, Shirley has, aside from Carmine, fewer ties to Milwaukee than Laverne does. But once her pop's gone, it's like, okay, I can just up and leave. But, you know, she has a deeper roots and deeper niche there in a way. When it comes to family, when it comes to, you know, past ties. Right. Uh, both both of Shirley's parents are alive and elsewhere. Um, her brothers are all alive. Uh, Laverne has you know actual you know, graves that she could go to in Milwaukee. 
mm-hmm. and uh, think you know people that she's gonna miss. You know, we got a whole friends group, all the Angora Debs, even mm-hmm. um, oh, totally. Rosie, even Rosie, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. And it's, but I think that's you know, I came, I, I, I think I mentioned this a bit before, and I know you and I have talked about this uh, yeah. since we started season six. This feels like a reboot of the show slash trying to completely revamp everything. Like it feels as if it's trying to create this clean slate. And given that one of Laverne and Shirley's strengths was the emotional connection, not to say that it was about being samey. It was about the development of these characters over time. It actually did some impressive work developing all of these characters, Frank and Edna and, you know, Shirley and Laverne and Lenny and Squiggy and Carmine and even Rosie, you know, and Rosie and and there's all of these characters. Yeah. Well, um, uh, another person that uh, uh, even got a bit of development was Terabata Fuko because we, yeah. didn't her job change when yeah. uh, they br- they brought her in? Yes. Yeah. 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 She's mostly been in the background throughout the show. But yeah. yeah. So discarding those elements means for me, like as a viewer, that feels like a breach of trust. That feels like, why should I get invested at this point when I can't trust that as soon as you feel the ratings are starting to go down, you're going to jump. So anything I have now invested in is going to disappear. And that's pretty much the nature of the beast of television in a way. Yeah. And and that's which I mean, this is why I have said for, you know, years and I've said this for years of the podcast, too, because I think by the time this goes up, it'll be late 2022. I think I don't like that about television and sitcoms i don't like that that sort of uh you know they're being fluid and changeable is fine depending on whether that is clearly an element of the intent and elements of the strengths and i feel like the writers and the showrunners on laverne and shirley didn't always understand what the real strengths of the of the show were and it has taken years to fully understand what made like as you're saying um Gary felt that the move to California was going to work and it did work from a ratings perspective, but from an artistic perspective, it so far has not proven to be as fruitful as a move to New York would, which Penny and other actors understood completely that was going to artistically work. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And then to be frank, the New York move probably would work too. It probably would boost up the ratings because they were back in the the rating slots and needed to be in. Exactly. They should have never moved the show. Oh, totally, totally. They thought, well, well, this is our number one show. Our number one show can lead off a block of lead off a block of programs. The trouble is, they did not match Laverne Shirley with like-minded sitcoms and shows. Mm-hmm. Benson and Barney Miller and Soap are all way, way, way more sophisticated than Laverne Shirley. And yep. so they paired it with like Mork and Mindy and a couple other shows that are like that. Maybe it would have done better. But there's, you know, if I'm a kid, it's the 1970s. Why the heck? I'm like, yeah, it's 1980s. I'm a kid. I love Laverne and Shirley. I'm going to watch Laverne and Shirley and then turn the channel, which is what I'm amazed of people didn't do. Yeah. But it turns out, it seems, it turns out people were turning on Benson and then watching the rest of the night. They were skipping Laverne and Shirley, which is weird. Yeah. I still don't know what the heck turned up, mass turned the audience off. It's just, I don't know. Whatever I think of that, it's just a puzzlement. What was America thinking? Well, it you put it on your time machine to do list. Yeah, sure thing. I get well, to, that I get and, to and, talk and also, Gary yeah. Marshall into getting Laverne and Lenny together. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have like you come out with this like giant like you know a uh, uh, a um uh 
like a binder, machine. like a Leslie Nope style binder. Yeah. This is what will <laughs> work. This will work. This will work better than anything you have planned. Because trust me, live streams in the future, it's going to suck. <laughs> that all being said, we're starting to get back to normal. We're starting to create this new normal. Yeah. And again, I don't, I don't hate it, but I will say I'm definitely homesick so far. Yeah. Well, like the work. Uh, there's some really, really great episodes coming up. There's one that really gets underneath my teeth and then even more really great episodes. Uh, we'll get there very soon. Next batch. In fact, I'm going to encourage that we watch one extra episode after the last episode of the batch of four because, ooh, the episode that we're going to watch last in this new package is divisive. I will say that. Divisive. Mm. Yeah, and the fandom. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Future well, me, put it, put it, put in, uh, put it, put in the onion knife from Dark Souls there, please. <laughs> the, the the show does recover them. Anyway, anyway, I do believe we're at ranking time then. Yeah. Um, I think now that I've had some time to, to simmer on this a little bit, uh, six and a half. I I would like to give it another seven, but the fizzling of that third act yeah, is yeah. is too much for me. Yeah. Um, because yeah. it I feel like a lot of these components could have been done handled so much better. In some respects, I would have almost have been okay with the leave leaving of Milwaukee and coming to L.A. having been a flashback episode that was completely dedicated, yeah. and just jump into this new normal and just say cool this is everything that's new and deal with it but yeah. i would have been okay with that but yeah. it's uh but yeah this yeah. It, it feels like it's taking a little too long that being said why is it a six and a half ed and leslie are spectacular yeah. um frank and edna are yeah. the cutest here uh yeah. it's it's i mean it feels like they're getting like a second honeymoon period which is yeah. adorable yeah. and um and tuning a guitar with the the sound of someone gurgling their mouthwash. Uh, this is a solid six point. That's about a six point six for me. I cannot make it a seven because the second, the last act fizzles. Everything after the earthquake scene, it feels like we're struggling for conflict. We're searching for some reason for the girls to consider leaving. It's just it could be just as easy as I miss my mom. I miss my in Charlie's case. Or whatever. I miss my dad. I miss my brother. Whatever. It could be anything. And it would be better than, oh no, an earthquake. How scary an earthquake. It just makes the girls feel juvenile when they've done so much work growing up. It's it's like you have it's it's like you're not gonna be scared of ninjas for the rest of your life because you just see one ninja on the street and they go, Yeah. And that's it. They literally threw somebody out of a train to save their life last season. I don't think an earthquake would be scary. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> like at this point, the, the, at this point, it just it feels slow. I love the boys' part, even though they're uh, you know boinking women who uh, can't speak English, and hopefully they get consent in yeah. English. I'm going to uh, assume they got Christian I, consent in English. Jeff, God, oh <laughs> Jeff, no. I'm going to presume that they did. That they did, <sighs> and that's why. I'm going to presume that they liked it. The yeah, I presu- I mean, that's that, that's, that's why it wasn't even entering my mind as a question is because I just made that assumption at, off the bat that, yeah, yeah. you know, Lenny yeah. and Squiggy 
because yeah. to them it's it yeah. i i almost feel like if you were to say like well did they consent to it and they'd be sort of offended like you think we wouldn't like yeah. no like yeah. they at least yeah. you know at least they consented yeah. to getting drunk first yeah yeah exactly 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 uh the boys parts are funny uh, I love this introduction for Rhonda. Rhonda becomes an inver- more interesting, more nuanced character coming up. Sunny is perfectly nice, perfectly inoffensive. Uh, I like Laverne's struggling folk singer gimmick, which is what I'm going to call it. It's a gimmick. It doesn't, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it surfaces on and off uh, until uh, season eight. It becomes a part of her character. And I like it all just fine. Um, uh, the girls, you know, establishing the home is very nice. Um, in general, you know, everything but that weird last act, oh no, we need conflict feeling works. So it's an okay episode. It's not as necessary as, uh, the season premiere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I felt the, the premiere because of the, like things like the fantasy sequence, the banter in the break room, it just, that was a overall strong, the high points were stronger and carried it past its problems better and the lows in the first episode didn't hit as hard. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, it needs more of an emotional punch. I think they're trying, in a way, they're trying way too hard to glad handle the audience into accepting the move. In a way. Right. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a hard, it's a hard, hard sell. Yeah, it's a hard sell. Uh, next episode, that stops happening. You settle into the new normal. Uh, it takes. It still takes three more episodes. The new premise of this season to settle in. Okay. Well, I guess we'll just have to settle in for that. All right. Yes, but... indeed. Unfortunately, and fortunately, because there's some funny stuff ahead. Yeah, there's some funny mm. stuff. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. anyway, I hope hope you know maybe now that we're in Hollywood, we can get into the picture business. But uh, is that a, any? Uh, is that it for uh, today's episode? Though we got our rankings, we got our notes. I don't think I've, yes, I think I'm indeed. done. I'm all. Yes, indeed. Uh, I guess I did want to point out one of my favorite lines. Everything's off the shelves, even the shelves. <laughs> That's a cute line. My favorite one definitely is uh, a garbage disposal, but we're so young. <laughs> a great one. Oh, that's good. All right. Yeah. So that everything for, uh, so yeah, but I think with our yeah. favorite quotes and all that, that is uh, it for today. Yes, indeed it is. All right. See, well, thank you so much for joining night after night partner. And, uh, if you yourself would like to get to know us a little better, well, then you could, uh, just go on to, uh, night after night pod on Facebook, Tumblr, WordPress, Patreon, YouTube, or whatever's or search for, Night of Night PC on Twitter, and you will be able to get in touch with us. Uh, you also can reach us directly at nightafternightpod at gmail.com if you would like to send in questions or any sort of other things like that, or just leave us a comment below in the YouTube version. And if you're uh, of the persuasion that wishes to, uh, you know, make sure to keep an eye out for other pods, you know, keep looking out for the other pods. It helps support us. And uh, we also like to give a special shout out to our wonderful patri- patrons on Patreon as we uh, try to do as much as we can, because they are wonderful, wonderful people. And uh, yeah, but I think that'll do it for this episode. Yeah. uh, So, you know, Lisa, I, it's kind of weird. I, why is there a loincloth in my closet right now? Wonga wonga. The girls tried to work their way into a Troy Donahue picture in a desperate attempt at meeting the star. 
But they discover that life on set is a lot more difficult than they dreamed of. This is Studio City. You mean we get to actually have some real behind-the-scenes movie-within-the-show action? Yeah, just like we got in uh, You Ought to Be in Pictures. No way! Longa, <laughs> there's got to be more Hollywood longa. stuff coming up. Yes, indeed. Wonga, wonga. Wonga, <laughs> wonga. Far out. Cool. Well, hopefully you'll join us for that next time, and we'll see you then. Remember, you're never too old to own a garbage disposal, kids. Bye. Mm-hmm.